Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, my brothers and sisters, fellow entrepreneurs around the globe, it is 0600 hours Eastern, or for you nautical types, Romeo, 1000 Greenwich, or Zulu. This is Rudder Radio, your guide to thrive in any economy. I'm William Eastman, Managing Partner for Applied Knowledge Labs North America, a business research company that is dedicated to changing the, success, the formula for business success. And we deal with companies from zero to $50 million in revenue. I'm your host for the next 30 minutes. And today's show is about exponential returns. Okay. If you want to contact us, here's how you get in there. One is you can join us in the chat area. That is to go to blogtalkradio.com slash the rudder, T-H-E hyphen R-U-T-T-R, and click the chat now button, or you can call in directly. And reach us at 347-215-7471. That's 347-215-7471. You can pick up the show notes on my blog, on my personal blog, and you can get there by also clicking on, on right under the chat now. You'll find a link, or you can Google it. And uh, just Google the Rudder blog, and you will show up above the fold, or if you want to play and you are really a Twitter person, go to Twitter and um, hit me up at uh, W. Eastman and uh, give me a twit. I don't call them tweets. I call them twits. So hit me there. All right. So let's talk about where we've been and how this all fits into the series. Let's rock and roll. Um, this series of six, and we started this on Monday, was the idea that if you looked at all of the companies that are fast, sustainable growth, that have got to a billion dollars, that have gone to IPOs, that have become market dominators, that have become household names, because nothing we do in our company or what we talk about in this radio show is anything other than, one, understanding what that looks like. Number two, what were the things that you had to do in some sequential order to get there? Uh, we don't talk about being average in business. We don't talk about being the ochre being in business. Also is that if you, are, if you are what we would term a lifestyle entrepreneur and you're looking more for a job for yourself, your family, and the people, the number of employees in your company is really based upon how much support you need, um, there are things from our show that you can get, but you're not our target audience. We're looking for the entrepreneur who may have that one shop, may not have started, or maybe into business 10 years and not happy where the company is. 
and what they were driven by and motivated by or are still motivated by is the idea is to become one of the dominant players. And that it could be in your industry niche, it could be in your region, or it could be on a global scale. It does not matter. If your aspirations are to grow as large as you can possibly get, then you are tuned in to the right show. And everything we talk about is either describing what that is or talking about how to get there. And so on Monday, we said, if you looked at these companies that made it, what do they have in common strategically? Now, it's just because they have the right strategy doesn't mean anything, as most of you know. And we will cover all those other elements. And over the space of, say, a quarter, over three months of shows, uh, basically everything that we know, we will share with you. Uh, because what we do is we mix research with practical application. And uh, just a, a quick background on us is after 25 years of the consulting industry where we were working with large uh, corporations, we decided that we felt the need to do something significant, to do something that is a contribution. And we felt as if consulting to large companies just wasn't getting it done because nothing was happening. And there's a whole group of people out there, entrepreneurs, people like ourselves, um, for whom this information would be invaluable if we could figure out how to get it to you. And so we, I, dedicated seven years of my life to do research to find out what what truly does work and what doesn't work, figuring out what business models that we could put together to get this information to you in a way that, one, you can afford, and two, we can make a margin. Because today when we talk about exponential returns, I'm going to be quite frank with you, we're going to tell you what numbers we go for. Um, I have absolutely, I absolutely do not apologize for selling. And I absolutely do not apologize for the fact that we're out to make a lot of money. Now, we're running a free radio show, and you can say to yourself, hey, how do you make money at that? That's our business. That's our problem. That's our business model. But if you're in business and you are ashamed of the fact that you're selling or making profit, you might need another calling because there's nothing wrong with profit. Profitability is the yardstick you use to measure. Okay, so that's what today's show is on. Um, but that's what we talked about on Monday. Now, what are, the, what are the elements of this? Tuesday, we talked about do business in a new way. One of, the, one of the six elements was that they all had a business model or a way of going to market. There's some uniqueness about them that was quite different than everybody else, and we talked about how they did that. Uh, number two, in the session that we did on Wednesday, was attack low-cost, high-margin opportunities. Find them and attack. And this is the whole theme of mantra you're going to hear from us, high cost, low cost, high margin, low cost, high margin. And more than likely, you're going to hear the word attack a lot because uh, if you're passive, you get what you get. If you're proactive, then perhaps you can create or have a hand in creating your future. And my experience with most entrepreneurs is that passive doesn't really cut it. Uh, yesterday, uh, we talked about the issue of taking monumental risk uh, and what we discussed there was perhaps recalculating uh, this whole idea about uh, entrepreneurs because uh, who are either that take calculated risk. They're not riverboat gamblers, as a lot of people think. And so in some ways, and I'm quite familiar with the e-myth, I wanted to talk about the myth of the e-myth. All of these companies, what they did is they took a monumental risk because to come up with a distinctively different business model and to aggressively go out there and take new space, pay space that's not there. Because what you're, not do, what, you're go, what you're going to do here is you are not going to compete against anybody, is that you're going to change the rules of competition. 
Well, I tell you what, if you're not willing to take that risk because you're going into virgin territory, you're not going to make it. So all these companies were very, very bold. And then on the other hand, what did they do tactically to minimize those risks or change the odds? And so that's what we covered yesterday. Today, exponential returns, which is um, I'll deal more in depth. Uh, Monday's show, uh, Element 5, will be uh, thriving on deals, partnerships, and alliances. And how do you do this in a way that uh, increases capacity of the firm, increases its expertise, increases its reach without increasing its cost? And then finally, the last one on Tuesday of the series is uh, all these companies simply outmanaged uh, the competition. If I was, if this, if we were talking about hockey, is that the game is won? Hockey games are won on the boards, and we just basically won the boards. All these companies, when the, when the puck was on the board went in there and dug it out. They outmanaged everybody else. Then the remainder of the week, we're going to hit some things that we could not cover in the 30-minute format, missing links. And it's all up on uh, Blog Talk Radio. You've got the entire agenda through uh, Friday of next week. And that's the way we do it. We do it in two-week segments based upon the feedback we get and in the process of doing this educational series. So that's it. Let me uh, kind of rock and roll at 9 past the hour, uh, 8 past the hour, 8.45 past the hour. Exponential returns. Session four of six, okay. Exponential returns is a convergence point um, because we're going to be talking financials where we can organize and summarize many of the elements, that uh, many of the um, issues or features of the photographs that we covered in the first three elements. So in element one, doing business in a new way, the, the, the end point of that element and I'd recommend that you download, by the way, and listen to the show because I can't do it justice right here, is the creating a, a new value map for competing that gives you a significant comp uh, competitive advantage. So the funnel point of that, well, what does that look like, that, that idea of doing business in a new way, and how do I measure it? I mean, it's one thing to say we're different because most businesses I talk about say they're different. As a matter of fact, when I go in and I talk about how to do assess assessing your progress and where you're going because all of our products are diagnostics at some point. We don't sell consulting. We don't sell training. We don't sell coaching. What we say to people is that let us give you a baseline of where you're at and help you put together an action plan going forward. And then from that, you can either do it yourself or if you need help on it, you can hire a consultant or we'll even help you get somebody, but we're not in that part of the business because we're data atheists. Uh, I don't care what your data says and because I don't have a vested interest in the answer. Some answers are better than others if you sell services because it says, okay, if you need this, you buy that. Since we don't sell any services, I don't care what the data says. My job is to be as accurate as possible, help you understand it, and help you put a plan to, um, to move ahead. But what I also get from a lot of business owners, they go, well, you don't understand. My business is different. Well, of course it's different. Come on, get a grip. All businesses are different, but they apply to the same rules of business. But if you, if you say we're different, ultimately, if you can't measure that and determine that by external performance in the marketplace and internal performance inside, then I think you're just being delusional. And so we're going to take that endpoint of element one about a, a, a new way of, compu of competing, a new way of providing value to all of the major stakeholders. Uh, how do you measure that? And then in element two, uh, we talked about on uh, Wednesday, becoming the lowest cost producer and, um, yeah, oh, excuse me, attacking low cost 
attacking low-cost and high-margin opportunities, there were three features of the photo when we took a look at that. And we're going to cover two of those right now. One is becoming the lowest-cost producer and making money from operations. How do you, how, how do you, again, how do you track that? And so I'd recommend you download that one because we're, I can't do that justice. But I'm here right now to discuss how we measure the success and determine the long-term trend. Okay. Well, most of you I'm talking to, if there's one thing you probably have, is you probably have financial accounting software. Well, the things we're going to talk about today, you can actually do a query of your software. If it doesn't produce a report, you probably can get it, okay? Because this is the type of numbers you should be looking at. This is the type of um, reports that your CPA or your CFO or advice that you're, they should be giving you. So let's start here. What's the market value of the firm? Because ultimately the essence of this is what is market value? And though I've talked about it now that we've been doing the show for three weeks, I've talked about this endless times, and, and I've just come back to it. What's your end game? If you haven't made up your mind what your end game is about the business, then a lot of this becomes difficult because it doesn't matter. Ultimately, um, do you intend to sell the business? Do you intend to grow it and take it public? Do you intend to give it away? Do you intend to, uh, are you looking at having a, a sale, I mean, a liquidation sale? So because how you measure and how you invest in the firm is all going to be based upon that because um, – each one of those five decisions, and the analogy I've used in the past is that if your intention is to sell the firm, um, then you may be well disposed to not spend money on things that don't show up as hard assets. Um, buy assets. You know, inventory is worth something. Buildings are worth something. Investing in training, training programs for employees may be a good thing to do. But you're looking to sell the business, ah, it hurts the balance sheet. And so those are the things that you need to do. Now, my experience with this, and I know a lot of business brokers, and we developed our materials with the business brokers, is that typically they, they have some multiple methods of looking at the business in comparison. But they typically look at assets, and they do an asset valuation. Uh, they look at income, and they do an income value, uh, valuation. And then they took a look, take a look at the, uh, the performance of the organization, and they take a look at the market and where you stand against other companies who, are, who have the similar assets and the similar income to kind of set a market price. So that's the way that they do it. Here's the way that we do it here. Okay? So three things. The way we're going to look at market value is – Number one, creating how much, what are the returns? And I'm being precise about this because we're dealing with financials. What type of returns are you getting for the money you invest? In other words, is your company the best place for you to reinvest any profits? Now, think about that for a second. If you were a stockbroker, if you were a financial advisor, and you understood the numbers of your company, would you recommend that somebody invest in you? Now, the answer is probably, for most people in the audience, hell no. Because obviously you know more than the CFO does about where the bodies are buried. But the one thing I want you to think about is this, is if the company 
was looking for people to invest in it like a a stockbroker would be looking, what would be their estimation of the firm? Interesting thought. We're going to come back to that. And I'm going to be working on what is called return on invested capital. Number two, given that is true, the company now becomes the superior investment choice. In other words, no other shareholders. If somebody's out there going, oh man, I want to buy into this, you know, hopefully it's not Bernard Madoff, but yeah, I want to buy into this. The fact is that you can reinvest your money back into your own company, gives you a competitive advantage over your competitors, gives you an advantage over your competitors, probably is a better way of saying it, because they can't invest in you. And so number two would be, if number one is true, then number two is that the more you reinvest back in your own firm, then the more return that you're getting and the more money you have as a company. You see, many times when we look at our own businesses, we look at how we burn cash. What we don't do is we don't look at it in terms of how we are investing. And if, I, I can assure you that if you go to a large corporation and you work with a CFO or a comptroller, one of their jobs is to take excess money and invest it. Where do I put excess money? We don't want to leave cash laying around in the bank account, except for cash perhaps to cover operating costs. But anything over, over and above that should be invested. And what happens in most companies is the CFO doesn't invest back into the company, invest in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and hopefully not Bernie Madoff. Well, what if your company was absolutely the best choice? And that's what we found when we looked at these companies, is that the way that they used their own money, the, the return that they got on their own invested capital, was better than any other place they could put their dollars. And therefore, what that gave them, number two, was a competitive advantage. Now we get to the third one about how we look at market value. Not that those other things that business brokers don't look at are important or anything else that you get from your spreadsheet. I'm giving you a managerial way, an executive way, an owner's way of looking at their own businesses. Then you say to yourself, what is the business model that I need to put into place that constantly will keep me at or above the competition on this issue? How do I constantly become the top investment in the marketplace against all of my competitors, uh, whether they are industries I compete with in the actual market or stocks on the, in the marketplace? And if I run the company from that mindset, that will then drive me to make some decisions about which business models, which kind of gets me back now to uh, element number one about do business in a new way. This is a great way to check your business model because if your business model is not doing this, then it is not doing it. So let me stop for a second here, and let me just say a few things about our company, and then what I've got is I've got four things to cover, and as of course, as always the case, is that you can go to my blog and get the show notes. And with the show notes, I've got this all detailed out, and if I can cover it in one blog, I do, but sometimes I spread it over to a couple of our other corporate blogs. There'll be hot links in there if we want to do a drill down, because as most of you know, uh, more than about... Uh, 
of, of full screen on a blog, and I want to tell you it's too much. And we cover too much information to do that. So let's just talk uh, business owner to business owner. And that is, if you are you tired of being tired? Uh, I know the feeling. I get up at 4 o'clock every morning here on the East Coast to prepare for this. We broadcast from Richmond, Virginia. But as a company, we have offices in Kansas City, Las Vegas, and Calgary, Alberta. And hopefully soon we will be moving to eastern Canada, um, either Toronto or Montreal. My preference is Montreal because it's just one of the great cities of the world. And then and we're looking at that for next year. And then for 2011, uh, heading south and probably Mexico City. But are you tired of being tired? Are you tired of being stressed out about the economy? Are you tired of being uh, really alone and trying to transform uh, your dream into reality? Well, we're here. We're Applied Knowledge Labs, and uh, we, our, our sole goal is to provide you with the tools to grow your company, regardless of what the economy is. You see, my view is, is that you should not even be thinking about, the minimum you should be thinking about, is how do I survive this economy. The reality is, is that the really best companies out there right now are taking this economy to clean up, toughen up, and so what they're going to do is that as this economy comes out, and I'm not making any predictions about what that's going to be, but as this economy flattens out, everybody in your industry has been whacked fairly hard. Most of them are wimping through it. Imagine if you got stronger now. What would happen as the economy flattens and begins to take off? You have an opportunity to come out of the block so much faster than the competition and go out there and steal market share. That's what we're about because I really believe that there are that there are ways that are, that you can grow your business even in an economy. And in fact, if you'd like, if you'll send me, uh, if you call or send an email um, to us, I'll send you a report on what are the best practices of growing your company during a recession. And so, what you can do is you can you can use any of the features here. You can hit me up on uh, chat room uh, right now and give me that information. You can call into the show at 347-215-7471. You can go to the blog site and leave a comment. Or you can call me on our brand-new Skype hotline, 804-471-1660 is the number. Okay. So as we look at the remaining uh, eight, seven minutes, let me take you on four things here that, okay, how do you do it? Given what we talked about, what? How do you do it? Okay. Number one is create the right gross margins early. Start as early as you can on working on gross margins and make all of your early initial decisions on what a gross margin should look like. Here's our experience, and this is what the data indicates, is that you want to target 60%. I'll tell you right now, we target 60% on gross margins. Now, you would say to yourself, well, that's kind of, one, it's kind of high. Well, it's not because anybody that's really played with numbers knows that gross margins and net are different things. Uh, but we're not fearful to say that to our clients because what we've done is we've made our price points so low that they look at me and say, you're going to charge me this, and this is the gross margins you're making. I don't get it how you do it. That's exactly the type of conversation that I would love to have uh, with my customers because I want them to think, I want them to think that we actually know what we're doing around the business and I think we do. Number two is containing, managing, containing, focused on expenses. 
to achieve a return of 20% plus EBITDA. Now, most of you know that what is EBITDA? EBITDA is basically the earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. It's a good metric to evaluate the profitability um, of the company. Now, it doesn't measure cash. It doesn't measure cash flow, which we'll talk about next. But if you look at EBITDA and you look at your earnings before your interest, your taxes, depreciation, or amortization, you should be at about 20% or above. That is your second metric. And the quicker you can get there, the better. Now, I realize in the early stages of the business, this is exceedingly difficult to achieve. But if you set up and you say, okay, we're going to be making 60% gross margin and we're going to be making 20% plus EBITDA, that will then focus you and just either, if you're not sure about how to do that, you can get QuickBooks if that's the system you're on, or you can get your, uh, your CPA or your CFO to give you those numbers. Number three, cash flow positive. You want to be cash flow positive early, and you want to be cash flow positive quickly. Okay? And I, I, I would say that if you, if you build a metric here, if you're under $20 million as a firm, then you're probably still struggling with it we still struggle with it. It is exceedingly difficult to do because you need to have some economies of scale. The company has to be to a certain size before that's really possible. Um, also, you have the fluctuations of the market. And the thing that drives me the craziest, and I'm sure it does to you as well, is, is, is the unpredictability uh, of cash flow. Uh, because what unpredictability does is that it absolutely freezes you in your tracks because uh, we, when we strategically plan, we don't do a year, we do a quarter. I learned that lesson a long time ago. And the, the issue of doing it quarterly is that it allows us to stay focused and the business plan just doesn't become some document. I, have, I carry the business plan with me. It's my portfolio. It's with me all the time. And so I'm constantly using that. And so the issue here is that how do I go cash flow positive early? And so what do you do? Well, you look at cash flows over a period. We do quarterly. And, uh, the, the, and what we want to do is we want to look at the cash coming in versus the cash going out. And you, you want to manage inflow and you want to manage expenditures. Inflow is driven by sales uh, predominantly, uh, and you want to look at expenditures. Now, what a lot of tricks that people will do, and you don't want to do this because you want this to be a valid real number, is um, it's not to you know, deplete your raw materials if you're manufacturing and you're not just buying stuff to begin to work, or you don't want to uh, minimize the amount of finished products you hold in inventory. You want to have the right numbers using some inventory model don't short here because if you shorten here, it's an artificial number. And so, and then you, and what you want to do is get an accurate number. Then you want to look at the balance between your accounts receivable and your accounts payable, uh, the velocity of cash we call it. And as long as the money is coming in just a tad faster than it's going out, then you're okay. But cash flow positive early, and you should be cash flow positive by 20 by 20 million. In other words, you don't need bridging loans or lines of credit to smooth out the wrinkles of cash flow. You've got enough cash on hand to do it yourself. And then finally is that you use your gross margins to fund growth. That with all these companies, what they did is they, when at the end of the day, when they were done, 30% of the profitability of the firm was reinvested in its growth. Uh, yesterday I said most companies cannot um, grow totally out of cash, that they're going to have to get loans or they're going to have to get some investments. That is probably true in 99% of the cases, but it's not true in every case. And if you can get to $20 million and get your cash flow positive 
and you can become the investment of choice. In other words, this is stock that you would buy. Uh, then what you can do is you can take that excess money and begin to program it back in. And my, my rule of thumb would be take 30% of profits and put it back into the firm. And depending upon what stage of growth, as we talked about previously, what stage of growth you're in, that would depend upon whether that's in marketing and sales and production and reinvention. But that money goes back into the firm because what you're saying with that 30% um, is this, is that if I took that 30%, let's say you had a million dollars, the 30% is 333000 Just to pick a, a number. Um, what you're saying is that if I take that 333000 and put it into the company, it is a better investment, a better investment than going out and putting it in mutual funds, stocks, whatever. So anyway, here's where we go. Here's the rock and roll here as we begin to summarize, is that you're looking to get exponential returns. How, how do you measure those exponential returns? Well, what we did is we talked about what, the, what those elements were. And so if you say to yourself, for example, in element two, you want to become the lowest cost producer and you want to make money from operations, this is where you capture that. And that's why those elements are so important. And element two about attacking low-cost, high-margin opportunities is by becoming the lowest-cost producer and making money from the operations. All of that has a direct impact on your margins. It's right to the bottom line. And so in one case, you're taking out fixed cost, and the other case that you're adding directly to margin. And if you do that, then what will happen is that investing in your company is absolutely the right choice, and no matter how your business broker values the firm, it is going to be worth far. It's going to be on the upper end of all the competitors. Well, that's it for this morning. I appreciate everybody being on board. Uh, thank you. Thanks for the uh, energies in the chat room. We've had a little dialogue going on. I find it difficult to chat and talk at the same time. But um, sometime today, you know, go to my blog, williameastman.blogspot.com, or just click it off the uh, blog talk radio uh, uh, site, and what you'll find is the meeting notes, download the MP3, and to all my friends out there, uh, wealth and prosperity uh, to you, and I will see you tomorrow morning. Take care. Bye. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you got 
Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.